This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our Daily Dose podcast, covering all about day-to-day global affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. Hello, and a very good evening to everyone who is joining us from Sydney and around the world. Um, and today, as you can see, that uh, we are again with George Mavros to discuss on Thursday's Daily Dose on foreign policy and diplomacy or key historical events. And the topic for today is uh, related to the recent alliance between the Australia, United Kingdom and United States that we saw over the weekend. And uh, this is a new strategic partnership, as you all know, and it's a trilateral security partnership between these three countries, which has uh, somehow upset uh, countries like China and France because there, there was a deal that had happened between Australia and France back in 2015 to sign up for the electric submarines. And that was a big deal at that point of time because Australia and France signed up a deal for 50 years. And that deal was considered to be one of the biggest nuclear deals. So in fact, that 90 billion contract that Australia signed with France back in 2015 uh, or 2016 has now uh, been ended with this new alliance coming into the picture. Now, let's get some initial comments from George and uh, then we'll move forward with that discussion. Good evening to you, Sarab, and good evening or hello to whoever is watching this. Um, well, it's an interesting situation we find ourselves in. Um, should the deal have been done is one question. Should the deal have been done the way it was done is another question. Um, you, you mentioned um, in your intro that they, we somehow managed to upset countries like China and France. Well, I don't know about China, but I've got to tell you, I know exactly how we upset France because we had a deal with them. We had an agreement with them. And we've ended up with somebody new and we just sort of forgot to let them in on the story until the last moment or maybe even after the last moment. Um, the Chinese situation is an interesting one because China has been increasing its um, stance within the area and China feels that that's perfectly acceptable. Um, Australia is increasing its presence in the area from a defence mode uh, and protecting its sovereignty, and China feels that's not reasonable. So that's a, that's a sort of like do as I say, not as I do. Um, but the France thing's a whole new ballgame altogether. And, of course, the alliance between the UK and the US and ourselves, um, we've sort of had that set up uh, through ANZUS, um, some people are calling this ANZUS Mark II. I don't think it's quite that. Um, but, yeah, it's, there's, there's, going, there's going to be uh, some good, healthy discussions between um, friends um, uh, for a while yet, I think. And wouldn't you love to just be sitting there when the foreign ministers and the diplomats and the ambassadors from each country are having to deal with each country? Uh, I guess you'd probably rather visit America and the UK than France and China at the moment. 
Absolutely. And before, you know, George, we delve into those uh, diplomatic ties and, you know, talking about those strategic alliances happening at the back end, I would like to just give some key facts on this particular nuclear deal that has been formed. Now, this is a deal which is a joint plan and it's going to be taking place over the next 18 months where the Australian uh, nuclear-powered submarine fleet will be built in Adelaide. And this project is, in fact, giving Australia the chance to become the seventh country, only the seventh country in the world to have submarines which are propelled by nuclear reactors. And this is a great, um, you know, upward scale for them moving from the electric uh, submarines that they were thinking to a nuclear reactor submarine. Um, and if you look at the power of these submarines, they have got this ability to stay in the sea for five months and operate in a more quieter manner than the previous submarines. And that is what uh, allows them to invade into the enemy's detection areas. So I think that's what they have looked at in these submarines. And as compared to you know, the previous submarine that I just told you, the diesel-powered submarines, if they make lesser noise, it's, it's not easier for the enemies to detect into your, your territory. Uh, what do you have to say in this regard, George? Uh, the power yeah, of the submarines is the, really- the shift, the, shift from, the shift from the powered French submarines to the nuclear-powered American submarines is, is the part that um, we want to tone down a little bit and the Chinese are reacting up a little bit. Um, now, it's interesting, again, I come back to the Chinese have nuclear-powered submarines, which would allow the Chinese to come into our territorial waters in an aggressive manner or an attacking manner. Not saying that they will, but it would allow that. And the Chinese believe that that's necessary and that's acceptable. However, as soon as Australia has gone to a submarine that would allow us to move into the Chinese waters, not saying we will, not saying we're going to do it aggressively, but as soon as we have the same ability to move into their territorial waters as they have the ability to move into our territorial waters, suddenly we're the aggressor and they're hard done by. That, that's a bit like me having a shotgun pointed at your house, but you're not allowed to have a shotgun pointed at mine. Interesting. But we've already seen in, in recent times that the um, because Australia happens to disagree with certain aspects of the Chinese government's stance on whatever, um, suddenly our, our wine is not good enough, our, 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 our beef is not good enough, our this is not good enough, our whatever, wherever, however is not good enough. So is China, is China saying that they're allowed to do, they're allowed to dictate but all other countries are not allowed to respond other than with the permission of the Chinese. Your point about us being one of um, seven countries, um, which that includes India, which I believe has either one or two subs. So, so they're, yes, they're, they're there, but they've only got one or two. I think they've got one and they're building another one or they may now have two. Um, but again, 
it comes back to if you believe you have the right to be scared of me because I have this capability, why do you not allow me the right to be scared of you because you have this capability? Now, the other side to this is I'm old enough to have, have lived through the Cold War and the nuclear weapons escalation and de-escalation. So we spent all this time, everybody building up so that everybody, I'm going to be beginning, I'm going to, and we need this, and then everybody talking about, well, actually, we need to do this, and now we're talking about we all need to do this again. Humans. Yeah. Absolutely, George. And if you look at this deal with respect to China, none of the three leaders have explicitly stated China's name in that uh, statement. But, no. but, but, but it seems to be that uh, this is a clear reaction to China's dominance in the South China Sea region and also the aggression uh, China has shown towards Taiwan. So it seems to be a clear-cut diplomatic move not directly attacking, but indirectly attacking. And that was clear from the China's foreign ministry spokesperson who called it stating, and I quote it, I quote the spokesperson as it is saying that outdated Cold War, zero-sum mentality and narrow-minded geopolitical perception is what he names this alliance. So what do you have to say about that, George? Well, again, um... I wonder if I wonder if he understands a good old saying of the pot calling the kettle black. Um, it, for all the for all the stories that they throw at us, and if you go back over the last twelve months where they've been they've been chopping us off at the knees in our trade, they come out with all of this chatter, 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 chatter. But it's all it's 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 all old style. It's all old fashioned. It's all dictatorial. You will do what I say is right. Do not question me because I'm bigger than you. Do not question us because you need us more than you. There's there's no there's no gentle diplomacy in what they're doing. But as soon as somebody says, well, hang on, hang on, I think I need to take a different position here. Oh, you're being aggressive. You're you're picking on us. Well, I would put it more down to um, I wouldn't feel threatened if you didn't threaten me. Absolutely. And that, that's basically what you're seeing now is a shift again, which is sad, but it's, that's the way life goes sometimes. There is a shift between a number of countries. It's not just Australia. It's not the US and, and the UK. There's numbers of countries that are concerned about recent behaviour from China. There's, there's countries in the in the EU, there's countries right around the world that when they saw what China was doing to Australia in these trade um, games, as I call it, they, they, they got to think about that. But go back go back to when you're at school and you saw the bully pick on somebody and you think to yourself, geez, that could be me one day. So you start to think about how do I protect myself? What do I do? And then the bully says, oh, you're being aggressive because you're trying to protect yourself. <laughs> Damn right. Mind you, right here, right now, um, I'm not sure how, how good we'd go if we picked a scrap with China. Right? If, if, if the Americans can't get here quick enough and the UK can't get here quick enough, I think we're nothing more than cannon fodder. But, you know. 
And I think this part people are going to carry on and worry about the next world war and all of that. Whether we've got the subs or not will not stop the next world war. And anybody that talks about this forcing escalation and all of that, fair enough, then let's see how you go if you've got no defence. Absolutely. And I think it's not about the world war or the cold war. Even Scott Morrison has pointed out that this nuclear deal is not pointing towards any kind of war. But diplomatically, we all understand that why this deal has been done and what's the significance of this deal. And that's why we are here to discuss about this topic. But coming back to this interesting point of France getting disturbed by this deal, I want to point out about this fact that, you know, it, it, it was... A relationship, you know, the relationship between France and Australia with respect to their defense capabilities in 2016, when they signed the deal, it was supposed to be carried forward for the next 50 years. And interestingly, once the deal was signed, the statement of the France ambassador to US was a very, very nasty reply and about a very nasty reaction, what I'll call it as when he said that, interestingly, exactly 240 years ago, the French Navy defeated the British Navy in Chesapeake Bay, paving the way for the victory at Yorktown and the independence of the United States. So how he beautifully framed the diplomatic ties and attacked on the alliance that had taken place. And in fact, it was not known by the French President Emmanuel Macron when he was trying to reply back to this statement. Yeah. Um, look, th there's a whole lot, and, and you and I have discussed this previously on different podcasts that we've done. There's a whole lot of stuff that you and I don't have any, any insight to. There, there are reams and reams. There are, there are forests that have been cut down with all the side notes and the back, back notes and the scribblings and all of that that we are never going to be privy to. <clears throat> and if we are, it'll be some 30, 40 years down the track. The fundamental of why the French are upset is they thought they had a deal with a trading partner. They thought they had a deal with an alliance partner. And that partner came home and said, hi, honey, I'm home, you're leaving. That's basically, you know, it was like, hello, yes, goodbye. Now, um, if you have an arrangement, um, I'll put, put it to you this way. You and I have an arrangement on, on the Ultimate Global Podcast. Tomorrow, there's a new podcast that starts, with, which I'm involved with, with a new person doing exactly what we're doing here. And five minutes before I go on air, I say, oh, by the way, Sarab, I'm no longer I'm no longer in UGP. But you'll be okay. You'll be fine. You'll find plenty of people. How would you feel about that? I tell you what, if you did that to me, I wouldn't be a real happy camper. So, so it's, and, and as an Australian, I pride our country on, you, we give you our word, you've got our word. Right? Now, that is the part that is really sticking in my craw. Should we have done it, why we did it, and all the other stuff, and, and is it better for us to have nuclear power and all that? Don't know, don't know the full story on that. What I do know is this country, when it shakes hands with somebody, 
historically has been known, you don't need it in writing, you've got my hand on that. And that to me is very disappointing. And that to me is the part that the French have every right to be a cranky, not only with us. They've been shoulder to shoulder with the UK. They've been shoulder to shoulder with Australia. They've been shoulder to shoulder with the US on many a, an issue. And, and to suddenly find out somebody comes home and says, one of us is leaving, by the way, I'm about to put my feet up, that's not the way to handle somebody, in my opinion. Absolutely. And somehow, you know, the, the, the stance of Emmanuel Macron has also not been clear because he has not been supporting either of the sides. If you look at it from a US-China uh, perspective, he has not been supporting either of the sides, not, neither US nor China in the last few years. And he has somehow taken a diplomatic stance in, in not supporting anyone because he feels that both of them benefit his country and the European Union in some or the other way in bringing in some investments and in bringing in those key defense partnerships. And that's why he is never clear about which side he's going on to and still balancing it beautifully. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he's managed to walk that thin line for a fair while. Um, I think another one that's done a very good job on all of this is um, Jacinda Ardern. Uh, if you if you if you have a look at all the scraps that have been going on between Australia and China, um, she hasn't she hasn't run away and left us out to dry, but she's also been able to manage it in a in a way that hasn't hasn't um, had hellfire and brimstone uh, cast upon her from the from the Chinese. So, um, do I think that the Australian government has a fantastic record in the last couple of years? In, in the diplomatic core, no. Uh, do I think that we that um, Scott Morrison has done the best deal possible for us on on subs? Don't know. Don't know enough about it. Um, from what I read, it seems to me a lot more logical for us to have what we're getting compared to what we were getting. Um, so that part I, I I'm comfortable with. But how did you get there? How was the deal done? How and 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 for for Macron, again, if I was if I was President Macron, I would be saying to myself, I have stood shoulder to shoulder with each one of these guys or their countries, and this is the thank you I get. Absolutely. Jeff. I think I think we've I think we've got I think we've got a lot of ground to make up. I think the US has, and I think the UK has in particular with with France but it was wasn't it interesting that the uh, the the I've forgotten her name now but from um, the EU she said something along the lady said something I wish I could remember her name I must be getting old um, she said something about one of our members has been badly treated and until we get to the bottom of that we're not necessarily going to jump in and talk about trade agreements for everybody else I don't think that's unreasonable. If 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 I was about to deal with somebody and you came to me and said, "Look, this person treated me this way," I'd say, "Oh, hang on, um, I, I want to know a bit more about that." I have walked away from many a deal, not because the person's done me wrong, but the person's done somebody that that I respect and I regard wrong. And I've said, "You know what? If they'll treat him like that, if they'll treat her like that, 
there's a good chance they'll treat me like that. Absolutely, George. And I think it's uh, so interesting to see in this kind of alliance that it's not only affecting one or two relationships, but in fact, multiple relationships between countries. Um, I was going through um, an article by Guardian and Guardian pointed out towards this fact that how it's going to influence geopolitically around the world. And it talked about the fact that now China, in fact, in the next five or six years is going to face this strong alliance in the Indo-Pacific coming from these three countries. And it also talked about this interesting point that in spite of United Kingdom being out of the European Union, in spite of that Brexit happening, US still relies on UK and not on the EU, which is an interesting point because European Union felt at one point of time that if UK gets separated from the EU, its power will be reduced globally. Its influence will go down. But actually, with Biden's decision not to be with EU as a defense partner, but as a defense partner with the United Kingdom is a reaffirmation in this case that its, its partnership is a long-term partnership and it does not depend on whether you have exited from the European Union or not, isn't it? If anybody had any doubt as to where the strength was, think about this. When the UK joined the EU, did they get rid of the pound? And when the EU suggested that they would change over to the euro, the UK went, nah, not going to happen, right? So, so you also have to go back in history and you have to look at the alliances and, and you have to look at how things have worked out between countries, right? And, and maybe it's sad because a lot of this stuff comes about by war, but that's a fact of life, right? Um, the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and a few other countries, but in particular, the US, the UK, New Zealand, Australia, have all spilt mixed blood on many a territory. And that brings together countries in a way that, that is quite different. Right? We have similar, not exactly the same, but we have similar values. We have... We, we have similar approaches to things. And so that brings together a unity. And, and for, for the EU to attack and um, diminish the trading, whatever, capability of the UK, that's not really good in the US's long-term objective. The US doesn't need the UK weakened. It needs the UK to stay strong. So out of anything, they're going to lean that way. Right? Uh, and, and good old Yacinda, I, I, I have a lot of regard for that woman. Um, I saw that she came out and she said that the New Zealand stance on nuclear-powered submarines in their waters will not alter. I'd like to see what happens if they came under threat and we were the only bloke around to play policeman. I don't think she'll say fight the war from outside our waters. But at the moment, she can say what she likes because she doesn't feel threatened. And, and to, get to, to get to her, they go past us. 
And what do you have to say about this, George? Because at the end of the U.S. elections last year, after November's result was declared, I'm quite sure that the Chinese president would have been happier with the result that he saw as compared to if Donald Trump would have won the elections because we all know about those trade wars which still continue between U.S. and China. And he might have thought about a better relationship now building with the new president of the United States. But this kind of a deal suggests that the stance of U.S. somehow still remains uh, on the same level when it comes to diplomatic ties uh, with China. Um, isn't it, George? Yeah, it's interesting. You and I are on you and I are on opposite sides of the table on that one. I, and there are two camps on this. There, there are two camps that said that China would be happier with Biden, and the other says they'd be happier with with Trump. Uh, I think that they would have been happier with Trump uh, because the destabilization that Trump brought to the U.S. connection in Europe, just in the, within the U.S. the, the the destabilization that he was bringing to that, to the whole US story with all its alliance partners and with, within its country, I think that China would have been happier to have had him win that again rather than Biden. Um, Biden, Biden to me, is, is, is a bigger problem for them to deal with than, than Trump was. And I know all the stories about Biden can't remember this and he's old and he's this and he's all that sort of stuff. Yep, that's fine. Um, funny enough, that comes from anybody that supports Trump. Um, the same as anybody that rubbishes Trump, funny enough, that usually comes from somebody that supports Biden. But the facts are that um, for all the nonsense and all the carry-on that Trump tried to get through, Trump had a lot more connection commercially to China than, than Biden does. Trump, Trump's investment strategies and property strategies and business strategies had a much bigger connection to China than Biden does. So if you wanted to talk somebody around to, to, to your way of thinking, it's probably to have it's probably better to have somebody that's got a lot of personal investment with you as opposed to somebody that doesn't have as much. Now, I'm not saying Biden didn't have any, but a, but a lot more of Trump's commercial and financial success um, was connected to China than, than uh, Biden's. Yeah, so I think, I, the, I, I think the reverse of you. I, I, think, I think the Chinese were not happy uh, um, that Biden got in because I think they knew that they were going to be in for a rough time anyway. Yeah, I think with respect to the business point of view, what you are stating, I would agree with you, George. But where I'm coming from is the entire political campaign that Trump had throughout from January 2020 to November 2020. It was definitely not at all supporting China in any way in, in, in this political campaign. And probably, you know, coronavirus also had a major role in that because his statements were a bit weird towards China. And that's what made the world feel that. And a lot of people feel that um, he is not in support of China. And otherwise, you know, why, was those, why were those trade barriers and the barriers which were economic barriers imposed only after 2017 when he took charge of the United States? So the, the reasons they were put in place when they were put in place 
or why weren't they put in earlier and all that sort of stuff. Again, you are talking about secret men's business, backroom deals, funny handshakes, and, and, and who knows what, okay? The fact, that, the fact that he makes a whole lot of noise and he imposed some, some um, bans and he started doing what he was doing, you're in Australia at the moment. We have, we have Albanese and we have uh, Morrison and we have Clive Palmer and we have Kelly, who's now joined Clive Palmer. Now, Kelly and Palmer are raving on and carrying on and throwing a heap of dirt Morrison's way. I promise you now, he's a lot more worried about anybody listening to Albo and the Labor Party than he is to anybody listening to Clive Palmer or his, his sidekick, uh, as I call him, Kelly the Kook. Um, so, yes, Donald was doing a lot of stuff and he was doing some stuff and causing some grief. But he was also disrupting his connections in other areas. Go and, go and have a look and see how much China's advanced with a number of countries in the same time that Trump has been in power. Yeah, he's China, China has picked up a whole lot of points and a whole lot of spaces during Trump's run. So for all that he said over here and for all that happened between America and China. Go and have a look and see what China's done in other parts of the world in Trump's regime. So the fact that he's having a Donnybrook with him, they might that that's quite okay. Yeah, we'll have that fight. We'll have that fight. But they're still they're still being able to get in other areas where Trump's same crazy man's approach to life has has disrupted. Yeah, he pulls out of the UN, he's gonna pull out of this, he's not gonna do this, he's not gonna do that. You think China is happier that the US is in or out of the UN? Do you think do you think Russia is happier or or sadder when 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 the US steps out? Because remember this: when somebody steps out, it leaves this great big void. If somebody stays in there, it's very hard for you to fit in. So I'm telling you, when when Trump is doing all that he's doing towards China but he's also extricating himself from other alliances. We in Australia started to wonder what our relationship was with America. That, that's got to be, a, that's a helping hand to China. It's not a bad thing, right? So the fact that now Biden's come back in and now you've got this strengthening again, yeah, I, under, I, think, I think that's to China's detriment, not to, not to their benefit. And so I think that they... Um, they uh, would probably have much rathered uh, Trump to succeed. Yep. We might be discussing about this um, topic as well on one of our Wednesday's Daily Dose on global economy, where we touch base upon this argument as to how important um, were those trade barriers in the relationship between US and China and what were the implications of those trade barriers because certainly in the times of globalization, having those trade barriers will be detrimental for the economies. When we are talking about free economies, when we talk, talk about open economies, what's the role of those trade barriers and what effect they have on different kinds of industries? Definitely we'll have it for some other day. But one point before we end today's Daily Dose, 
I need to touch base upon this. These countries which are coming between China and Australia, which is an important region of the Southeast Asia. Uh, we all know about the fact that Japan has supported this alliance and they are quite happy with this alliance. But the factor is, is this other Southeast Asian country like, you know, Indonesia or other countries, are they happy with this alliance? Because none of them have really uh, come in open. Now, again, there is a diplomatic partnership there because though they are, they have some sort of tensions on the border and on, on their territorial borders and, and their, you know, uh, the relationship with China. But again, the benefit that they get from China is that they are getting that foreign direct investment through the businesses that China gives to these Southeast Asian countries. And though they might not be clearly supporting China on the page, but that diplomatic partnership of trade makes them support China in a lot of other ways, isn't it, George? Yeah. Um, look, I think you'll find that there's numbers of countries, and, and I, I, don't, I don't think that they're silly doing what they're doing. There's numbers of countries that are sort of praying uh, that they're not going to get caught up in all of this mess. Um, we did that. In the early days of Trump, we were, we were beating the drum. We're friendly with the Chinese. We're friendly with the Americans. We like the Chinese. We like the Americans. Right? We tried very much because China is a trade partner of ours. Um, I don't think our alliance and our allegiance with America cost um, China a relationship with us. I believe China's attitude towards Australia cost China's attitude towards us. So if you're, if you're Indonesia, if you're India, if you're countries like this and you're concerned about how much control they could have over your country from a commercial perspective or an economic influence, then you're also got to be concerned that at some stage, if they want to push you and say you're going to do this and you're going to do that, what sort of comeback do you have? Right? Um, knowing that there's somebody nearby um, who's got a big gorilla as a friend, and, and let's face it, for, for us, that's what America is. And then I, I say that with the greatest respect. Yeah. America, having America stand beside you is like when you were the weak kid at school. And the, and the first grade rugby union forward was your best mate. Nobody messed with you because you got the gorilla behind you, right? Um, so, so I think there'd be a number of countries that quietly would be saying, I don't want to tell China that I'm not happy with them, but now I can sort of sit back and I can do this, and it's a little bit better. Balance, balance is, you know, Balance is, a, is an interesting concept. Um, do, we talk about, you know, do you have to be up, do you have to be down, should it be equal and all that. They've tried that theory globally um, over how many years of trying to get balance of power between Russia and America, and balance of power between this one and that one, and balance of powers and all of this sort of stuff. That doesn't really work all the time, but equally... Dominance is definitely not the way. If you if you want to have, you, you think about any relationship, and, and you know part of our podcast, we're talking about giving women a fair ago. Um, 
and getting equality and things like that and the BRICS countries and all that sort of stuff. Whenever you've got somebody up here and somebody down there, I don't care how you put it, that's the one that's in control. That's the one that's in control. So, so for many countries between us and China, I think there'd be a quiet sigh of relief that's gone on in the last few days. Could, it get, a little, get, could it get a little bit interesting and worrying? Yep. But it was already at that point. I think it's a great lesson also, George. Uh, this pandemic has given a lesson to a lot of countries, including Australia, that being over-reliant on one or two of, of your you know, trade partners or economic partners can be detrimental for you in the long run because these kind of unexpected situations and circumstances like a pandemic might come after every five or six years. That's what the uh, experts predict. Now, you have to be reliant enough and you have to be self-reliant in those circumstances in a way that you are not dependent on the other country to give you something in return and then only you can stabilize your economy. And that has also given this um, rise to this debate between globalization versus localization. The era where we were talking about globalization and countries coming together. Um, we all know about the partnership of Australia and China, which has been there for quite a long time. And somehow it is going down in the last one year after the diplomatic partnership went to a next level because, because of the direct attack on the Chinese president by the Scott Morrison government to find out the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic in Wuhan. Um, but I think this is where Australia needs to be very careful and countries like Australia that how not over relying on one of the countries for your trade can be detrimental for you in the long run and can hit back, hit back to you, you know, in a lot of diplomatic ways. So it's very important for countries to be self-reliant. Anyways, um, do you well, have I just... I, I, I need to respond to that. Um, there's one part about all of that. I believe that the majority of Australians, whilst we're in pain and whilst we're in suffering from the treatment we've copped from the Chinese, I don't believe that the majority of the, of the Australian public believes that our government shouldn't ask a question because we're too scared to, because we're going to upset a trade partner. When we get to that stage, any country, when any country gets to the stage where you do not ask a question, which is a reasonable question because of the trade, you have already lost sovereignty. Don't bother buying the ships. Don't bother buying the submarines. Don't even bother putting bullets in the gun. You've already lost your sovereignty. So I think I think for all that went, went wrong after that, I don't think that Morrison actually was that wrong in the way he went about that. It was a reasonable question. What happened was the Chinese decided that he was the US's lapdog and responded to us in that way. I want to know where it came from. Right? I personally want to know who's responsible. And and as you know, one of my one of my uh, pillars that I, I live by, honesty and integrity ahead of commercial expediency. So if it's going to cost me a quid, unless I lie, I guess it's going to cost me a quid. 
And I think you'll find the greater majority of Australians would support that. That, that it's not unreasonable for us to ask questions. Because if we can't ask questions about COVID, if we can't have submarines without China telling us, if we can't, if we can't have an opinion on the Middle East without China telling us, if we can't talk to Taiwan without China telling us, who in the hell is running this country? That's my Absolutely. thought. Well, I think that's it for today's Daily Dose podcast. Um, I hope to see you again, George, on Monday when we'll be discussing about the Germany's outgoing Chancellor Angela Merkel. And there are some interesting signs coming from Germany uh, as Germany is heading towards their federal election on the 26th of September this Sunday. And uh, we are hoping for some sort of results uh, on Sunday evening. And I hope that when we meet on Monday's Daily Dose, we'll have the results with us. We will also be talking about Angela Merkel's journey during that episode. I'm actually ringing the German electoral office and I'm telling you that Sarab and I, we need an answer before before the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we they definitely haven't, they haven't returned my call yet. <laughs> definitely, definitely. We need that answer before the podcast so that we can have this interesting podcast running for the audience. Um, that's it for today and hope you have a great day ahead. Thank you. See you later, everybody.